good morning, everyone. Uh, as Pastor Ariel said, I hope you all are doing uh, well over this last few days that we've been in our time of fasting. And I know it's not easy, especially like right now, I'm really hungry. And, and I'm just like, just drink water and get yourself through it. But it's funny, uh, especially in this time, I learned a lesson years ago when I was a kid, and I've mentioned this a little bit. When I was a kid, maybe about 13, 14 years old, I used to work at a few different factories in the city under a fake pseudonym because I was 13, 14 years old. So it's illegal for a kid to work in a factory at that age. So I worked under a fake social security. My name was Isidro Diaz. And, and I would work these jobs with like grown folks at these factories. I remember working at an Entenmann's bakery and I would work the graveyard shift from like midnight to eight in the morning. And I mean, don't ask my parents why. I think they just say, well, it's either drugs or working at night, so go work. And so, you know, I did that for a while. And I remember I was working with uh, this old timer, this guy who'd been there for a while. And, and, you know, we're working some odd hours. And I remember I'd, I'd be going through something. And I'd look at him and go, hey, man, what time is it? And he would go, Shh, don't ask that question. I'm like, why? He's like, if you don't look at the clock, the day will go faster. And I'm like, I mean, physically, that's not true. <laughs> He's like, trust me. And listen, I don't know, but it's true, right? Like the more you stare at a clock to try to see how much time you got left, the longer things are gonna feel. The longer, why? Because honestly, all of us in this room, I don't care if you think you are, all of us in this room are terrible at waiting. We're terrible at waiting. And so the problem is uh, when we know we're waiting and we're thinking about waiting, even like for me, like I, my fast right now is, is sun up to sundown. And so I am waiting for 434 today. You know, I checked the app, 434, the sun goes down. And so I am waiting for it. But if I let my mind go there, then I'm hungry all day. The other way, if I'm just focused on doing what I'm supposed to be doing, there are days, there's been a few times this week where I blink and it's 6.30. I said, like, man, I could have ate two hours ago. But I'm just in the midst of, of just doing what I'm supposed to be doing that I don't fixate as much on, on when things are going to happen as much as waiting on the Lord for it to happen. And that's really what I want to talk about, not just today, but over the next couple of weeks. I want to talk about what it means to wait on the Lord. Uh, it's something that we've probably heard if you've grown up in church long enough to wait on the Lord, but... I think the problem oftentimes we have when we think about that phrase or that idea of waiting on the Lord is we treat waiting as a passive exercise. As if we just sit there and whenever God's gonna do what he's gonna do, he's gonna do it and so whatever. And you just, are, you, we almost act like we're at a doctor's office just going through a magazine or scrolling through our phone until our name is called and then we get up and do stuff. But no, in the Bible, waiting has never been a passive thing. There's something that God is doing in the midst of waiting. And so today I want to talk to you about one of the main things that I think happens in our time of waiting. And that is that in the midst of waiting, there is testing. In the midst of waiting, there is testing. Listen, in your Bibles, if you have them, open up to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 through 15. And listen to what the word of the Lord says here. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no, greater, no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting 
patiently, Abraham received what was promised. You may want to write this down. This is a thought that the Lord gave me that I think is vital to what I'm trying to say today. Waiting is what happens between the promise and the fulfillment. Waiting is what happens between the promise and the fulfillment. We just finished singing the last two songs about God's faithfulness to what he says he's going to do. God's faithfulness to what he commits to us. That, that Bible tells us God is not a man that he would lie. So if he said it, we believe it, right? That's what we were just singing. The problem is not what he said and when he does it. It's that in between that drives us nuts. It's that time of waiting. From the time that God makes the covenant promise or for the time he tells Abraham, I'm going to give you many descendants to the time that that promise is fulfilled with the birth of Isaac, 25 years pass. 25 years. Listen, some of us have a hard time waiting 25 minutes. And especially now in the day and age that we live where every gratification is instant, waiting is even harder than I think it's ever been before. For Abraham, it was 25 years of waiting. 25 years after the fact that Abraham and Sarah were already 75 and 65 years old when they were told that they're gonna have a multitude of descendants and no children to speak of, and he's 75, she's 65. 25 years after that. Like again, that would have been a miracle already, a 75 and a 65 year old. But you know what? That's still too close to plausible. That's still too close to maybe a Guinness Book World Records. But 190, now that's only God. And yet 25 years they had to wait. 25 years of waiting on the Lord to do what he said he would do. Listen, I get it because some of us, you might be in year 10 right now, waiting on the promise to get fulfilled. You might be on year 20. You might be on month nine. You might be on day six. We're all in different timelines depending on what we're waiting on the Lord for. And just because it doesn't happen on our timeline doesn't mean that God is not faithful and active in the midst of what we're waiting for. Again, some of us can barely stand 25 minutes. I think about it sometimes. My demographic, my age, we're, we're kind of... You know, we're before the internet, at the birth of the internet, after. So we get a, a, a different perspective. Like, I can still remember having to get up to change the channel on the TV. I can still remember the TV pliers. Anybody had TV pliers in their house dedicated to changing the channel on the TV? You know what I'm talking about? The TV pliers. I, I was still old enough to remember the antenna, like, had to be just right. And you had to put tinfoil on the top of it to get the right reception. I mean, you were like... You're a genius for nagging that. And we all thought we were like text too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, hold on, I got a system to this. Okay. I was, I was old enough to remember that. And my wife for Christmas, literally, she just bought me a new, not new, but an original NES. So I, I was setting it up and my, my daughter's like, what are you doing? What is that? I was like, hold on, baby girl. I'm going to show you what real Mario Brothers is. And so I'm setting it all up. And I, I'm trying to get it to work. Y'all know how it was, right? I'm blowing in the cartridge. My son looks at me, he goes, Pfft. I was like, good job, Bobby. You help, you help Bobby do his thing. Blowing in the cartridge, working everything out. And I got it working for a little bit. And then, and then she did what you're never supposed to do. She walked by it. And you know, the vibrations messes it up. So it went flicking on again. And she's like, why isn't it working? I was like, girl, you just need to be patient. Okay, this ain't like your games nowadays. We just turn it on and everything works. So I think I'm, I'm from a generation, we learned how to be patient in the midst of this. But today, oh, that's so complicated, right? We don't, remember, remember when, some of y'all can get this. When you were a kid and you didn't know information and you just lived with not knowing it, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, do you think that actor's still alive? I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Until, until they came out with another movie, you just think they're dead. And like, and then, and then people would tell you information and you were just like, okay. I couldn't verify what you said. I'm just like, yeah, how do you know? So-and-so told me. I thought he died. No, he didn't die. Oh, wow, I thought he did. Like, that's how information was passed on. Today, instantly, I can't watch a TV show without looking up the actor. I'm like, I seen that guy in something. Hold on, wait. Wow, baby, he died. <laughs> this year. Right, like that's, that's all of us. It's instant gratification. So when God says to wait, oh, that's a nightmare. But listen, in the waiting... There is testing, there is refinement, there is something that God is doing in and through you. And if you're taking notes, one of the first things I picked up as we were reading that portion of Hebrews is waiting tests your diligence. Waiting tests your diligence. Diligence is, is the ability to stay on task. What did the scripture say? We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. Meaning it's not about just how you start, it's how you finish. It's not about like, man, when I, when I first got saved, I used to do this, 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 and that. It's like, cool, what are you doing now and how are you going to finish? How are you going to make sure that the task you started, you've completed? Because when we first get the promise, we're diligent. Hey, God said it. God spoke. Uh-huh. But now it's been a few months. Are you waning off? Now it's been a few years. Are you acting like the promise was never said? Now we're starting to lose steam simply because time has passed. But what is scripture telling us? No, we need to stay diligent, stay on task. While we wait on what God is going to do, we must keep busy with completing the last thing he asked us to do. Here's the funny thing, I'll get this from people a lot, where they'll say, I don't know what God wants me to do. My response will often be, what's the last thing he told you to do? And are you doing that? Because if you're not doing the last thing he told you to do, why is he gonna tell you something else to do? We get that with our kids, right? Like, what are, listen, just do what, I, do what I ask you to do, and then I'll tell you the next thing to do. And God treats us the same way. And so many of us, part of why we're so frustrated on not receiving what we're waiting for is because we're not doing what we've been asked to do in the middle of it. And it's not aimless work. Oftentimes, as we are being diligent in what we're doing, we are preparing ourselves to actually receive the promise that God has given us. And so, uh, you know, what good is it? It's like the old saying, two farmers prayed for rain, but only one prepared to receive it. So if rain fell and only one prepared to receive it, only one gets to benefit from it. If we are diligent on the task that God has give us, given us, we will be prepared to receive whatever he has for us. Listen, Galatians chapter six, verse nine reminds us, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's no reaping when you give up. You don't get the benefits when you give up. And again, this is where me and my wife are a little bit different. If I'm three-fourths into a show, a series, I'm finishing that series. I don't care how dumb the plot went. I don't care how off it is. I'm like, baby, I have invested time of my life into this storyline. I need to know if they get married or not. I just need to know. And the show could end terribly. But my thing is like, no, 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 what if it's great? Like, and most of the time it's not. But it's like still, I, I, I've, I've gone this far. Why am I gonna quit now? It's like the disciples when, when many had abandoned Jesus and he looks to his inner circle and he goes, are you gonna go too? And I love their answer, where are we gonna go? You hold the keys to the kingdom. I'm in too deep on this stuff. Listen, in my faith, guys, I am in too deep. 
If I quit God now, I lose everything. I'm in too deep. I have to see this through. I want to challenge you. Be diligent with what God is asking you to do. And in order to do that, I think we have to accomplish the second thing. See, waiting not only tests our diligence, it tests our patience. And some of us barely have any to begin with. Think about this. God had promised Abraham countless descendants. The problem was that Abraham was already 75 years old with no children. So what happens when we start losing patience? When we start losing patience on waiting for someone? We take matters into our own hands. Listen, some of you moms, you're notorious for this stuff because my mom was. My mom will ask me to do something. Joy, can you go take out the garbage? And I'll say, yeah, let me just use the bathroom. And I'll come out the bathroom and the garbage is gone and she's mad at me for not throwing out the garbage. And I'm like, lady, can you give me two seconds? Like, but again, what did she do? She lost patience. And she, she's like, you're not gonna, I'll do it then. And then I'm gonna get mad at you for not doing what I asked you to do even though I did it for you. And listen, some of us, that's, that's the problem, right? It's we have very little patience. And you think you, you, you it's so, it makes me laugh. You're actually enabling those people to keep not doing it, by the way, when you go and do it for them. It's like, well, they're not doing it, so I'm gonna clean their room for them. You're gonna be a maid the rest of your life because they'll never learn how to do it. And so this is one of those things where God is asking us to be patient. And the problem is when God isn't doing what he said he would do within the time frame that we think he should do it, we start losing patience. And then we do the worst thing imaginable. We try to help God. Don't worry, God, I'm going to give you a hand in this. Oh, man, I love my kids. I do not need their help with stuff. They want to help me. Papi, I want to help you cook. <sighs> okay, baby, just... Um... I mean, and again, a 30-minute meal takes three and a half hours because she helped me. Listen, some of us, we think we're helping God when really we're prolonging the promise. We're actually making it take longer. How do I know? Abraham, classic example. Abraham thinks he could help God. Look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 2 to 5. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Again, he's already been promised descendants. Since you've given me no children, blaming God, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. So what is he saying? God, you're not doing your job, so I'm going to do it for you. God, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, so don't worry, I already figured it out. Then the Lord said to him, no, (laughs) your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Listen, God doesn't need your help to accomplish his promises. Don't try to hurry it along. Well, God, you know, you haven't gotten me a a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And so, you know, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. Just that doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. We keep asking for the, the one, the one. And sometimes you try to make them the one. By the way, there's no such thing. I don't believe in the one. Because if you didn't get the one, what if that was somebody else's one? And now you messed up three ones. And now everybody's all messed up. <laughs> you broke the chain. Like now we're all, that was my one and you took her. Like, no, it just doesn't work that way. No, it's not about that. It's about patiently waiting on the Lord for what he brings into your life to bless you and to benefit you and to grow you. And, and we have to, we cannot force God's hand because we'll place ourselves in a position where we, yes, we'll receive something, but it's from us. It was not from the Lord. 
We have to be careful. Here he thinks, well, God's not doing his thing, so not a problem. I'll figure it out for him. I got a servant right here. Most of the times, if there's no heir, it could go to one of the servants. So God, and I, the audacity of him telling God how he's going to finish it off. And again, we, we do the same. Let's take that same example of a spouse. We pick somebody, and then we ask God to co-sign on that person. And then we ask God, God, please make them the one. And we're having all these frustrations and all these problems, and you're on your knees begging the Lord to make them right. And God is saying, I never, I never had that for you. I never had that for you. And don't get me wrong. If you already married that person, then God is going to be in that. And God's going to, you can't be like, I knew it. Nah, stop it. You're married already. <laughs> now you live with that choice and God will help you in your choices. All right. And you might be the one that got picked. So don't even start going there. Okay, I don't want you guys to see, pastor said, no, too late, sorry. But this is where we have to trust in the Lord. Yes, God can redeem any kind of missteps we might have. But when we're willing to follow God's plan, that means we have to also be willing to follow God's timing. And we have to be patient with his timing. It may not come when you want, but it will show up when you need. You think Abraham would have figured it out though? Nope, just like us. Hard-headed. The very next chapter, you see Sarai, his wife, losing patience and offering her servant as a solution. Right? Genesis 16, 1 through 3. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So uh, Sarai said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Again, didn't he just promise descendants? Go and sleep with my servant. Never a good idea. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with uh, Sariah's proposal. So Sariah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. 15 years before the promise is about to be fulfilled. Why? Because she thought she had a better idea, better plan. Listen, I'm just going to let everybody know. Introducing a new spouse into the relationship is never a good idea. <laughs> I don't know if I have to say that, but I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Plot twist, it did not work out well for them. This became a major issue, a major area of contention. And you know what? It started affecting other people like Hagar and her son, Ishmael. It became drama and a problem because oftentimes when we put things into our own hands and we try to help God, we actually make bigger situations and more problems. Now, God is gracious and God was gracious to them. But at the same time, what you might think is helping God along is actually prolonging what you've been waiting for the whole time. Or even worse, adding to the struggles and the issues that you're going through. Listen, this indecent proposal didn't end well. Anytime we try to help God hurry along, it only creates a bigger mess. We have to be patient. And what does patient mean? That means not instant gratification. You ever seen those? They've done a lot of studies like this where they have children and they put one marshmallow in front of them and they say, if you wait two minutes, you'll get two marshmallows. But you have to wait, okay? And almost every time the kid chooses the one marshmallow because we are prone for instant gratification. When God is saying, listen, if you would just wait on me, just wait for what I'm unfolding for you, you'll have more than what you think you need. You'll have what I have for you. And you'll have a blessing with that. But God is going to test your patience. How do I know? Options are going to come in your life that are going to be tempting for you to take on. 
You're waiting on the Lord for a new job. And then suddenly an option comes along. And I, I say this often, but you need to remember that not every open door is one you have to walk through. But sometimes the enemy will disguise things with a good option. And so, hey, I've been waiting on a job and God's opened up this opportunity. It's a great job. It's in a great neighborhood. Okay. But is it moving you away from what God's called you to do? It, it's more money. Great. But what if, what if the job takes you away from your family more? And that's not what God intended. What if your job causes you to move somewhere that God didn't intend you to move? What if that new job is, is, yes, more money, more problems? What if suddenly you hate the people you work for and now you're struggling and your boss is this and, and all these other things just because you saw an option? Listen, just because somebody said yes to the date doesn't say, mean they say yes to the wedding. Like, it, it could be just an initial thing. But too often, we walk through doors that are open just because they're open, not because we ask God, Lord, should I walk through that door? God, are you asking me to do this? And this is where the third thing comes in, is that waiting tests our faith. Do you trust in what God has spoken over you? Do you trust on the word of the Lord? Do you have faith that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he can do? This is something that we see in Genesis chapter 22, verse one through three. Here at this point, God has received the promise in Isaac. And you think, great, I, I got my son. I'm 100 years old. My wife's 90. We actually gave, this is a miracle. We gave birth to a son and now he's grown and, and, and I have this blessing and it's just phenomenal, right? I can't imagine after 25 years, the joy he's feeling of actually receiving the promise and then something crazy happens. Verse one through three, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, the son of the promise, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Wait a minute. 25 years I've waited for this promise. And now you're asking me to sacrifice him? The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out to the place God had told him to go. Why would God make me wait 25 years to have a miracle son in my old age and then ask me to sacrifice him? Listen, Romans chapter four, verse 16 through 17. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses or have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe this is what the scriptures mean when God told them, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened, why? Because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. You need to get in Abraham's frame of mind. 25 years of waiting created an incredible faith in God. So much so that when God accomplishes this miraculous feat of giving them a child in their old age, and God says, now I want you to sacrifice him. There's a part of Abraham that believes if I sacrifice him, God can bring him back to me. If I offer him to God, God, I trust God to do what he needs to do. There's an incredible faith that he has that whatever the Lord asks of me, I will do it. Can I tell you something? Abraham did not have that faith 25 years before that moment. It took 25 years to build enough faith to trust God even when he asked for something that was impossible. 
Now, again, in case you didn't read the story, right before he's about to do it, an angel of the Lord comes, stops him dead in his tracks, says, do not sacrifice your son. The sacrifice was provided from a ram in the thicket. God had already set that up. God never planned to take Isaac's life, but he was testing Abraham's faith. You know what's a great test of your faith? Is when God gives you what he's promised you, and then he says, by the way, can I have that back? Can I, can I take, take that? Do you love the gift more than the giver? It's a hard thing to admit. Do you love the gift more than the giver? And listen, sometimes God might do something like that. I do it with my own kids. I might give them something, hey, do you want to share with Bobby? And they'll be like, no. I'm like, you love the gift more than the giver. I want my kids to understand, listen, whatever I give you, you better be willing to give back to me. How do, listen, we do that with our finances, right? God asks you to tithe to give 10% of your finances. And, and, and we act like we're giving God 10% of what we have instead of God giving you 90% of what he has. And so, and so we get into this thing, well, God, I prayed for this job and you gave me this raise and you're provided for me financially. God's like, awesome, now be faithful with what I've given you. And I want you to give back. But God, you know, tithing's kind of easy when you're making 500 bucks a month. It's a lot harder when that's multiplied. And God is saying, listen, you trusted me to give you this job. Trust me with what I've given you. That's when God tests your faith. And again, these are the kinds of things that God is going to do from time to time as you're waiting. And, and I can tell you for my life, tithing today is easier than it was when I first came to Christ because my faith is growing in God. I have seen that I can never outgive God, that God is incredibly faithful with everything that he's given me. And so gladly I give more and more. And I love that we're a part of a church that's incredibly generous because it's a sign of the faithfulness that we have in God, that we trust God with whatever he's given us. Do you love God enough? Do you have enough faith in God to give back what he's given you? Worship team, if you can help me out. Many of you know our story. Uh, my wife and I, we, we tried for five years uh, unsuccessfully to have children. And, uh, you know, we didn't know if it would happen or not. I, I wasn't sure. I, I was, honestly, I was comfortable. If not, you know, it's like, hey, I have plenty of people that I, I get to spiritually father. And so if that's what the Lord desires, then great. But my wife received the promise. She got a word from the Lord that we would have a child. And so I trust my wife. And I said, if that's what the Lord spoke, then amen. And five years later, God bless us with our firstborn daughter, Josie. And it's funny, Josie, she's such a beautiful, empathetic young girl. She's just turned four years old. And she loves missions. And so she, she'll sit there with my wife and she'll go through mission cards. She's got this series of books of, of prominent women in ministry. And I was just telling a friend of mine, she, she was reading this one book about a woman who wrote the song, Blessed Assurance. So when she was watching the service online and she heard the worship team singing, Blessed Assurance, she started shouting out, that was written by, I forget her name. She's like, she was a blind woman who God used. So I'm like, wow, that's so cool. I'm so proud of you, Josie, that's great. And then my wife was telling me this week, she goes, I think Josie had a Holy Spirit moment. She's always been very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, almost freakishly. Like she told us we were pregnant with Lucas before she knew. And I was like, oh, you're weird. <laughs> That's either Holy Spirit or like, you know, those freaky little haunted kids. So <laughs> Holy Spirit in this case. I said, what do you mean she had a Holy Spirit moment? She said, we were watching this. My wife loves to watch these uh, little Bible story videos. And they're looking at a story of a missionary and just the tragedy and the triumph and all the stuff that was going on. She said, Josie was weeping uncontrollably. Like very, like 
very upset, just weeping. She kept saying, I want to go with her. And I look at my wife and I go, you better stop pumping that mission stuff into my kid. <laughs> Everybody else's kid can go to the field, but that's, that's mine. But Lord, if you promised her to me, and then you call her, who am I to stand in the way of what the Lord is calling? She is not mine. She belongs to the Lord. I am a steward of what he has given me, and I will love her to my dying breath. But if God came to me today and said, set your daughter apart, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that with her. I'd probably cry. I'd probably even fight with God. But I would relent because I have faith in his plan is greater than my plan for her. Listen, Romans chapter 4, verse 20 through 25. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. 25 years of waiting is not an idle thing. It's a strengthening thing. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Assuring us, you and me, that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. As you walked in, we tried our best to give you this communion emblem. If you would do me a favor, pull it out. I know for some of us it takes about 15 minutes to get the foil stuff off. Just going to go ahead and start now. Yep, I failed. Thanks, Jordy. Can I get that one? Listen, you know what I love about communion? Is communion is our reminder of a promise fulfilled. Listen, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the hall of faith. And it says that all these wonderful men and women of God died before ever receiving the promise that we have. And yet they got to see it a long way off. What did they see? They saw his body broken and his blood spilled so that you and I, with the same faith that Abraham had, could have eternal life in Christ Jesus. This is why we take communion every month, to remind ourselves that God is faithful to his promise. Even though it takes hundreds of years like it did there, or 25 years like it did with Abraham. I don't know how long it's been since God's given you that promise. But I think this morning, God is trying to encourage you. Be diligent. Be patient. Have faith in me. That I am not a man who would lie. I accomplish what I said I would do. In the time that I said I would do it. And if we put our trust in him. If we remember that God is faithful, then we will receive whatever has been promised to us and whatever timing God has for it. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to stand, church. I want to pray and then I want us to take the cup and the drink together. And then I want us to take some time and worship today and remind ourselves as we're worshiping, has God given you a promise?
Has God laid a word? Or maybe you need to pray for that now, that the Lord will speak and that you would receive. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread and this cup, a symbolic gesture of a powerful reality, God, that all throughout the Old Testament, you affirmed and reaffirmed your promise. The promise that was set right in Genesis chapter three, the moment we fell, you enacted a promise of salvation. And we thank you, God, that this bread and this cup symbolizes a promise fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray even now, resurrect promises that you have given us, God. Promises that we've allowed to waver. Promises that we've not been diligent with, that we've lost patience in, that we've lost faith for. Bring back to life those promises now, God. Promises of wayward children coming home. Promises of broken marriages being brought back to life. Promises of fulfilling things that you've given us long ago. Lord, as we take this bread and this cup, may we be filled with the overwhelming joy of remembering that you are a faithful, faithful God and that you are worthy of praise. And so we take this all together in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's take the bread and the cup. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. It wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Before we close, I'm going to ask you for just a moment to bow your head and close your eyes promise of Abraham, the reason God said you would have many descendants is because all of us who come to faith in Jesus Christ become descendants of Abraham. What does that mean? That means we get to receive the same promise that was given to him. That if we put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth, then we are saved. So before we dismiss, I just I have to make sure that if you're in this place, sir, ma'am, and you've never given your life to the Lord, you've never said yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you did a long time ago, maybe you even grew up in church, but the reality is that right now, you don't know if you were to die today where you would go. You don't have the confidence of the promise. And I wanna make sure you walk out of here confidently knowing that whatever happens, I've already accepted the greatest gift that's ever been given. So at every head bow, this is between you and God, every eye closed, if that's you, if you wanna accept Jesus Christ as your savior, if you wanna recommit, and, and from now to the day you die, walk with the Lord. Every head bow, every eye closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand, and I wanna pray with you. If there's anyone here who would say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you, guys, come on. Anyone else says, that's me, Pastor. Thank you, brother. Anyone else? This is your moment. This is your moment. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Anyone else? That's me, pastor. This is my moment. Thank you, sister. Come on, you're, you're fulfilling somebody's promise. Somebody prayed for you and God gave them a promise. And right now is the fulfillment of that promise. 
Anyone else? I'm going to give it one more moment because it's that important. It says, that's me, Pastor. Amen. Well, church, would you help me? Let's pray this all together as a family. Say, Jesus, I thank you, God, that you fulfill your promises. I thank you, Lord, for the word that was spoken today and that my eyes were open. I recognize I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So I ask you, Lord, forgive me of all my sins and receive me as yours. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, will you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Now listen, here's, here's what I'm going to ask before we dismiss. If you raised your hand in that moment, thank God, we are so grateful for that. But it's the first step of a, of a number of steps that you need to take. We want to help you with that. Out in the foyer to the left is our Connection Center. Please do us a favor and just meet with us there. We want to walk you through the next steps. We want to pray with you. We want to make sure that you understand the decision you made. We don't need your social security. We're not going to ID you. We just want to love on you and help you with the next steps. Amen? Amen. God bless you, church. This Wednesday, powerful night of worship. Make sure that you're here. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday.